Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis podcast show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And as always, I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I am also the founder of the Holistic Health Mastery Program. This is my online holistic nutrition certification course, which is designed to take a student from the basics of natural nutrition all the way to the most cutting-edge areas of integrative health and lifestyle transformation. This program is really unlike anything else that's ever been available on the internet featuring a comprehensive 70-video lesson curriculum, 55 bonus videos, a student community support group, and a monthly live video training with me personally, which is like doing a coaching session with me and hundreds of students from all over the world each and every month. This program has received incredible reviews and feedback from students of all backgrounds and all educational levels, such as the budding health experts and professionals to longtime holistic wellness enthusiasts, all the way to the complete beginner. There seems to be a lot here to offer to virtually everyone who has a keen interest in learning how to optimize their body, mind, and spirit through redesigning what they believe is possible, not only for their health, but ultimately for their life and the lives of those around them. And one more thing that sets this course apart from all others is that once you enroll, there are no hidden fees, no limitations on the content that you can access up front, and no time restrictions. This means that once you purchase the program, it is yours period. End of story. There's no six or 12 month time limitations with a continuation fee waiting for you at the end. This is a go at your own pace course that you can continue to access as a lifelong resource that will prove to be an investment into your education, into your health and into your personal growth that will bear fruit for years to come. So you can find more information and enroll into the Holistic Health Mastery Program at www.holistichealthmastery.com. Okay, so let's jump into today's show. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped up and really just feeling this wellspring of enthusiasm percolating up through me. As I get ready to share this with you, I'm bringing on a guest by the name of Elena Love. And if you've been in the plant-based movement or even the raw living food movement, you have to know who Elena Love is. She is one of the original pioneers in the culinary focus of raw living foods. And she's really led the way for a long time, since the the mid to late 90s in the raw food field. And um, just an amazing human being, an amazing woman. When I first got into raw food, I remember there were a couple of spokespeople for raw living foods. There's obviously people like David Wolf, Dr. Cousins, Brian Clement, um, uh, Victorious Kulsvinskis, Ann Wigmore, um, you know, so, so many people that I looked up to, whether it was past or present, that were of the, of the message of raw living foods and plant-based foods. And I always, I remember the name Elena Love coming up many times, but I didn't really know a whole lot about her at the time because I wasn't so focused on the culinary aspect. I was more focused on the information because that's my proclivity. That's what I've decided to do with my life professionally is to focus on teaching information where other people like Elena or my friend Jason Robel or um, Dara DuBonnet, Diana Stobo, which all of them have been on the show or will be on the show, um, they focus on the culinary aspect and infusing the information 
the education with that. And so I always heard the name Elena Love kind of in the backdrop. And the deeper I got into understanding the history of living foods and who the the key role models were past and present. I came across Elena Love's work and I love her energy. And a few years ago, we got the opportunity to meet briefly um, while I was on a book tour in um, uh, Arizona. And then I just had the inspiration that it was time to connect with her and bring her onto this podcast and have her share her incredible story, her wisdom, her practical insights into to how to be successful on a plant-based diet. And I really, really love the topics that we discussed in this conversation. You know, one of the things that we opened up the dialogue with was this idea that if you follow synchronicity, it will lead you to the, the, the tips, the strategies, the next stepping stones in your journey, whether that's your health journey, your life journey, whatever the case may be, the context, if you if you just focus on what's being made available to you at any given moment, you'll be led all the way towards the solution to whatever ails you, right? I thought that was really fun. And then we really go into more of the practical tools and the tips that Elena has learned over decades of being in the raw food movement, what works short and long term, what does not seem to work long term, but might work short term, and vice versa. Very important and very simple, practical insights that I think everybody needs to know by walking this path. One thing I've realized over my my career and my own experience is that veganism and vegetarianism and raw foodism, if you will, I don't really like the, the isms. I don't like to define things and put them in a box. But as far as the context is concerned, those are absolutely amazing, profound and necessary avenues to explore health and diet. But I, I'm of the impression that there's it's really bad. It's really, well, use the word bad. Okay. I don't want to get any heat for that, but it's, it's not such a great thing to be an uneducated raw foodist or an uneducated vegan. There's holes, there's, there's things, there's sophistication and strategies that you only learn over time. And somebody like Elena, and especially a conversation like this between me and Elena, I think is going to shed light for people to understand that, you know, there are other people that have been through the trajectory that you may be on. If you're listening to this, you may be confused about some of these these topics that we discuss. And it's such an incredible benefit that can save you time, energy, money and frustration um, by actually just gaining or gleaning the insights and wisdom from people that have walked down the path that you are now embarking on. So. With that said, get ready for a fun, exciting, charismatic, and super sweet conversation with Elena Love. Enjoy. Elena Love is one of the pioneers in the steadily growing raw food movement. She is the founder and director of Pure Joy Planet and Pure Joy Culinary Academy. Her companies focus on teaching low glycemic holistic plant nourishment. She is the creator of the original nut milk bag, a cone-shaped bag used to make everything from coconut milk to green juice. She is also the author of three vegan recipe books. Elena has been living a holistic lifestyle since 1997 when she healed herself from candida and food allergies. She has gained a reputation for recipes that turn out great every time. Her courses will teach you how to feel satisfied and energized on low-carb, high-flavorful plant nourishment. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, it's it's been some time uh, since we you know we bumped into each other you know I don't know like two years ago in Tucson when I was on a book tour and we just happened to kind of bump into each other. But I've known about you for many years. You know you can't. Um, I've been into uh, the raw food you know movement for I don't know eight or nine years. So like I can't not know who you are. You like your bio says like you're one of the pioneers 
in the emerging movement of raw food and and so it's actually really cool for me to be here on the show with you because I have some interesting questions and directions that I'd love to take this conversation based on your extensive, uh, you know, experience in this movement. Great. That sounds fun. I'm ready to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing, the opening question is, how did you get started with a raw food lifestyle in the first place? Uh, well, you basically, it was because, uh, my body was starting to show signs of wear. <laughs> it tends to happen to us when we hit our thirties. I find more and more. And now these days you're seeing it happen to teenagers and even people in their twenties, you know, the body started to just talk to me. I started getting all these things like eczema and, um, you know, irritability and low energy and mood swings and on and on. Like I could just go on for days on all the symptoms I had. And so I was really just sick of feeling all these bad feelings, especially for my age. And I was starting to gain weight and just not feel so good about myself. And I was even in a place where I felt like I wasn't really that confident anymore. I was like, ah, like what's wrong with me? So I started to do my own research and, uh, found out about raw foods through kind of a a happy trail of like, you go to one person and then they tell you about this. And then the next person you find out about something else. And I happened upon a book that just changed everything and it's still on the market. It's called Cleanse and Purify Thyself. And if anybody's interested in cleansing, it's a really great first read because even if you're not going to do that cleanse, it kind of just talks about all the amazing benefits of what happens when you start to clean out your body. It just heals itself. And so that was my biggest discovery is that, wow, the body is a self-healing mechanism, a self-healing organism. I don't need to put drugs in or mess with it in order to get the results that I'm looking for. So it was a super exciting time for me, and it only took about – a month for me to start to notice huge results and a big turnaround in my health. I love that. Um, you know, I often tell people that I make decisions in life based on synchronicity at this point. And I remember when I got started into this and there was a whole bunch of, I guess you could say catalysts that caused me, you know, like you said, like the body starts talking to you. For me, it was a younger age. And as a intense athlete, I was, starting to break my body down, even at a young, in my early 20s, to a point where my fuel supply, if you will, was no longer able to um, help me rebound from the intense, uh, you know, just call it inflammation that I was causing. And so for me, that was how I got into it. But then, funny enough, when I decided that I wanted to actually be an orator, and I wanted to like be a voice for this message, it was all based on, like you said, like, talking to one person, you learn something, it connects you with another person, connects you with another and another. And that's kind of how it started for me. And I think that's just a really cool perspective to present to people because oftentimes, um, I guess we could take the context of the healing arts. Oftentimes people will ask me, what are your cliff notes for killing candida? I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> There's no context here, so I really have a trouble giving you like this one, two, three, four, five step thing. Um, It's actually very unique, right? So um, the point I'm driving at is based on serendipity in a lot of ways, we're led to the things that are – that are – that makes sense and work for us for where we're at. And then what works for someone else, the seven-step program – is not actually going to work for you because you need to go through a different process in order to get to that same result. Does that, does that? I totally agree. And in fact, sometimes it's emotionally based. Sometimes it's physically based. Sometimes it's all, you know, a combination, but I have a fun story to share with you about that. You know, because I got into this because of candida and I did heal the candida, but you know, as soon as you eat, for me, as soon as I would eat something, you know, not on the program or even anything sweet, I would notice signs of candida coming back. So I was constantly reading, even though I knew what to do, I was constantly reading these books. Oh, there's a new book out on candida. And I remember at one point, and it's only probably about seven years ago, um, you know, it was like 12 years into this journey. I, I was in Bali doing a course and the guy that had the retreat center had this big fat book on candida. And he goes, here's a book for you. You can copy it for your students. And I looked at it and I just got this nausea in my stomach. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm closing the book on candida. I don't have it. I'm not putting any more energy into it. It doesn't exist for me. Um, you know, I'm done. 
and, and it was such a relief. And then I remember that very same week sharing it with a young girl who was like all about her candida. And I go, you know what? I just closed the book on that. She goes, oh, I'm going to close the book on it too. So it's interesting that so much of it is our thoughts. And like, I have candida. I'm walking around looking for ways to cure candida that I've already cured. You know, so it's just like, all right, come on already. It's like, I got this big aha moment. Okay. Sometimes it's time just to be done with something, you know? Yes. <laughs> Yes, this I'm so glad you mentioned this. Um, so many different things come up for me because I've pretty much been on that same that journey and always trying to apply the proper context to everything because I think when you have context, um, you understand a circumstance opposed to the I guess the the little bits of um, you know most of most people are proposing the the nuts and bolts, but they don't always have the proper perspective and that throws people off a lot in times they try to adopt somebody else's philosophy or what worked for somebody else but they don't realize like you are a unique um person you're a unique your body is a unique organic vessel like your consciousness is unique to you so your journey in anything especially the the rejuvenation of your body temple is going to be unique to you and a lot of it like you said is actually based on the psychosomatic, like the emotional and oftentimes spiritual conflicts that people have. One one thing that I think is really interesting um, regarding this is I'm really into the field of science called psychoneuroimmunology. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this? No, but it sounds really interesting. <laughs> so it's basically, um, I heard about this from Brian Clement years ago, and then it started popping up on my radar, interestingly enough, and I dove into it. Deepak Chopra bases a lot of his philosophy on this idea that um, our brain, the neuropeptides in our brain are directly linked to our white blood cells. And so our yeah. thoughts actually either increase or decrease our immunity and um, I heard Michael Beckwith the other day in one of his talks. He said that your community increases your immunity and you have to inoculate yourself with love, joy and peace in order to, you know, get to where you're trying to get to, so to speak. And I feel like, wow, what an interesting um, what an interesting perspective. And now the scientific I mean, this is like common sense, right? Like if you're in an emotional, depressed state, it's going to depress your the chemistry in your body. Yes, I, I agree. And also, if you're in a depressed state, you're going to depress the people around you unless they're really on track. Because, you know, one who's connected is more powerful than a thousand who are not, according to Abraham. But um, if you're, if, I mean, for me, if I'm around someone that's bummed out, I'm like, I got to get away. I got to get out of this. It's, 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 it's messing with my, my happiness. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of owe it to other people also to be in a happy state. Um, no, not a fake happiness, but to figure out what does it take to feel good. And, you know, in my case, and for a lot of people I work with, I believe starting with what you're putting in your body, because the cells are a direct link to our brain, and everything's tied together, as you're saying, it's like a microorganism, uh, of, you know, this whole energy field of ours, it's just all connected. Mm-hmm. So input matters. <laughs> and so th- this is what this was the insight that came over me when I first got into green vegetable juicing and raw food. I felt more connectivity with life. Not to say that I wasn't connected, but I just didn't have the sensitivity or maybe the sensibility to understand that um, I am also cre- I am also connected by a field and by my own emotional participation. I am affecting the plants around me. I'm affecting other people around me. My thoughts are mental units of energy, which are not only affecting me, but are affecting other people and vice versa. And once I really started to understand that and purify the body through living foods and juicing, um, it just activated a, a common sense inside of me that I feel isn't so common. But when people can start to grasp that idea that we are all interconnected with our ecosystem and with one another, it seems to like motivate people a little bit more to walk the path of self um, healing opposed to just thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Especially if it's for your loved ones, for your family, for your partner, for, mm-hmm. you know, 
children, like, you know, a parent that has children is like, of course I want to be healthy so I can be a better mom or I can be a better person in life. A lot of times we aren't motivated, I find, with people I work with and even sometimes with myself. I'm not just motivated by, well, my own personal gain because, you know, that can only go so far. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah but I really want this thing right now. But then if you think how it's going to affect other people in your life, and when I get up tomorrow, I'm not going to have the energy to go on that hike that I wanted to go on with my friend, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be as happy and when I do this interview or whatever. You know, so we just, if we can start to expand it into our sphere of like who else are we affecting, I agree you're going to, be, you're going to make a much huger impact, and your choices are going to be different. I love that. So you know, it seems to me that we're in a constant quest for achieving this this like philosopher's stone called happiness. Um, and we're doing all these things in different arenas of our life to achieve that goal of being happy, being content. And it's interesting, like, what happens if we go for that first, we go for fulfillment first, and then we, we continue down the path. And um, it sounds like that's what you're kind of speaking to. Yeah, kind of like following that chain, like if if this, then that, like if I eat this or if I don't, you know, get up and do my yoga or whatever it is for, for you that makes you feel good, then what's next? Okay, then I'll probably sleep in and I'll feel bad about myself because I missed my yoga and then I'll probably do this and my whole day will look different if I don't, if I miss this one thing. Same with food. If I eat at 10 o'clock at night, I'm going to be groggy in the morning. So it's like an, I always do the fast forward, like, okay, this sounds good to me right in this moment. But what's it going to look like tomorrow? How am I going to feel tomorrow? And I find that that's a really good um, tool to have because sometimes people are just so in the moment. But I just want that kick now because my tongue wants that in this moment. And I used to say that to my son. I'm like, your tongue wants it, but your body doesn't. And then he'd say, Mom, my tongue really wants that cake. And I'm like, okay. So it's just kind of a good way of compartmentalizing. It's like just the tongue wants it. You know, It's not necessarily the whole body that wants that food. Yeah, so when we have more um we have more awareness and we're able like you said to chain kind of to the root the root like in terms of will this make me happy? Will this allow me to have energy in the morning, you know? I feel like that's as simplistic as it sounds. So many people, myself included at times are operating our day-to-day activities without that kind of measurement without the awareness to stop and take a breath and like wow well this will this thing allow me to be as energetic and as vibrant as i i want to be exactly and you're right it is simplistic but how many you know that's why we talk about journaling that's why we talk about meditation because Mm. How many people do you know? I mean, I know we live in a different sphere, but if you were to go into like the normal McDonald's eating world, how many people do you think do self-contemplation ever? They're just busy talking on the phone, driving the next thing, listening to the radio, like constant noise, never, and TV when they get home, like no time for just self-reflection. So when do they ever get a chance to reflect on even what their activities are doing to them? It's, it's just something to kind of insert in like, hey, here's a new thing. Five minutes a day of self-reflection. All it takes is five minutes. And then you just you kind of maybe can write some things down and go, oh, wow, I noticed a few things that I wasn't paying attention to. Like I used to do a food journal, journal when I first got into this because I – now it's funny because people will tell me, well, I'm, I don't know what happens when I eat this food. And I think back and I'm like, I didn't used to either. So I started a food journal and I would look back and go, oh, I got really sleepy at 2. What did I eat? Oh, I had oatmeal at at one or whatever, you know, like or I was sleeping in the morning because I had a heavy breakfast. And I was like, cool, I'm starting to see the correlation here. Or bad food combining made me really sleepy. Um, so I just found that really fascinating uh-huh. to start reflecting on our actions. I think thank you for bringing up the journaling aspect because that is so important. And I feel like um, – Oftentimes we we don't want to take simple simple you know like five minutes of meditation five minutes of journaling because in our mind we think that it needs to be some kind of gargantuous like endeavor like we're yeah. thinking like okay well if I want to be uh, I don't know if someone wants to lose a hundred pounds or fifty pounds or whatever like that's a really big goal and yes people do do that but it ain't overnight like people don't that's not an overnight success kind of um story even though sometimes on the internet um 
we take it that way when when we hear all these amazing transformation stories or even these success stories and they're kind of depicted like it just happened one night. Someone had an insight and then they drank a green juice and all of a sudden it was like liquid plumber and they just lost all this weight. It's like, well, there was a lot that went into it and it took longer than you think. Um, so I think, you know, what the point I want to, I want to conclude this on this thought on is that you're, you're, you're depositing seeds in your your mental and emotional bank account and you don't have to judge a seed for being too small because that doesn't matter the seed is meant to germinate in your own your own life experience if you fertilize it if you nurture it with positivity and you do these things consistently that 5 minutes of meditation can and often will transform Form your life if you just dedicate it, um, you know, that activity one day after another. Exactly. Consistency. And, you know, I know that's, as Americans at least, that's our biggest problem is lack of consistency. We want that quick fix. We want that. I want it right now. And I mean, I'm that way too. Of course, if I could have something instantly, I would love that. And it's even funny, like even with Amazon, like something you didn't even know about it. And suddenly you're like, I need it tomorrow. (laughs) Why do I need it tomorrow? Mm -hmm. You know, come on. I've never even knew about this product and suddenly I need it tomorrow. So like even just starting to look at that within ourselves, like, do I really need to buy this? Do I really need it tomorrow? And the same with what you're saying with, you know, weight loss or fitness. And, and I use that analogy a lot with raw foods. I say, you know, you're not going to jump in and do 100% raw. It would be like trying to run five miles on your first day of running. You're never going to want to do it again because you're going to feel horrible and you're not going to be able to get out of bed the next day. Why not start small and then slowly add in? And I think it should be that way with everything. Mm, absolutely. Um, I want to I want to <clears throat> push a button on this topic just one more one more go because – um, when I think of the, and I'm reflecting a lot of my own, my own inner experience, but I also, I also pick up the patterns of other people, right? So it's kind of an interesting thing. I don't know if this is a little far-fetched or not, but it seems to me that oftentimes we will get inspired and we will load our, our schedule with this, this humongous task, these, these series of tasks, right? And we're really inspired. We're motivated, but it's almost like subconsciously we're putting too much on our plate too quick because we know that it's going to be too much. And it's almost like we're able to create an excuse once it becomes too much to say, oh, well, you know, this didn't work or I couldn't do it or it's just it's not right for me and my lifestyle or whatever the the excuse is when in reality is that if you just took small steps every day, um, that excuse there that a lot of us are, are I'm, I'm using the word excuse is that seems to be most relevant, but, um, that thing inside of us that, that somehow that negative voice, I guess that, that, that negative voice that sometimes causes us to not be in alignment and not to be consistent. Um, it's interesting to me how that will sometimes, um, It will, it will like, uh, the point I'm trying to drive at for everyone listening, bear with me, please indulge me on this. Okay. (laughs) The point I'm trying to get to is that sometimes we have subconscious triggers that, that will frame themselves in a way that we can understand that will cause us to go off track. Does that make sense, Elena? Oh my gosh, totally. What I think I hear you saying is it's about patterns. Like mm-hmm. I can relate that to my life is like I have a pattern of way of way I do things. And what you're saying about like doing it all now, I know that about myself because sometimes I get really excited about a project and then I'm afraid I'm going to lose momentum. So I try and do as much as possible. Right. And like, like you're saying, you load it up because you're like, well, I have the energy now and I have the momentum and I really want to get it done. But then you burn yourself out on it. And so I see that all the time with people starting a new business or starting a new anything. It's like they go into burnout really quickly because they're just overloading themselves with it because they're afraid of themselves. They're afraid of, I know I'm going to, you know, if my pattern is that I tend to quit things. So let me just do as much as I can. And like we're trying to kind of fix ourselves without really looking at like, you know, kind of a background of like how to how to go about it. Because like I've been doing a lot of reflection and contemplation lately just on little things like, wow, that was a judgment. I used to just judge, judge, judge because my parents, I mean, I, I figure I got it from my parents. But now I'm like, okay, that was a judgment. What, what's the judgment there? And then starting to just unravel things. And it could be with anything like, wow, I really loaded my plate up with with uh, all these things I needed to do, 
what's going on here? Like, let's kind of unpack it, as you would say. Like, let's look at why I'm doing these patterns. And so when you start to, like anything, once you start to recognize the pattern and you see the pattern, you're calling it out. Like, I see you. Mm. You can't hide from me. And then you can start to kind of reframe it. But if you keep hiding from yourself by like, oh, another thing quit. Let me start on something else. Without, and it goes back to that reflection thing, that journaling. Like, why am I doing this? And then you start writing and you go, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that. Like, you're, it's almost like you're telling yourself things that you didn't even know about yourself because you never took the time to ask. <laughs> <laughs> mm, beautiful. It's really fascinating. Uh, yeah, thank you for, for uh, um, extending that train of thought. And it's just so powerful. It's so true. You know, when... When we are encountering, um, you know, what a digestive infection like candida, for example, it's so important to know that so many of the impulses and cravings that people may be experiencing aren't genuinely a craving or impulse from your body. It's actually something inside of you called a certain type of organism that is sending you messages through your body's chemistry that's reaching your brain, it's reaching your blood sugar, and it's initiating a pattern, right? So like when you think like, Mm -hmm. oh, I just have a craving for this twink or I have a craving, even in our world, a craving for like bananas or tons of fruit or I can't get on without it. It's like, okay, hold on. That sounds like there's there's something deeper wrapped up in that. And if we take a step back, maybe we can find out what the pattern is. We can identify what kind of emotional state do you tend to find yourself in when you go when these cravings occur. Exactly. Well, even a, a great example is, and I discovered this years ago um, that I, w- I was on the phone with someone and it was a conversation that was uncomfortable. I hung up the phone and I walked straight to the refrigerator and I opened the refrigerator door and then I got it. I was like, Oh, look what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I have an emotion. I have a feeling I'm going to go eat, you know? And it was like, I just caught myself in that moment. Like, wow, I'm not even hungry, but I'm, cause you got to either eat your, either eating or, eating or you're feeling. It's hard to be like crying and eating, right. Or angry and eating. It doesn't usually go together. So it's like, let me supplant that emotion with, food I can put on top of it because I don't want to feel this feeling. So, um, yeah, I just find all that, all that really fascinating just to see how that all ties together. Mm, Absolutely. So I'm curious, um, you know, you're very well known for your recipe books and your culinary demonstrations. And so I'm curious, what, what are, why are you so passionate about that specific angle of education in terms of teaching people, how to make amazing recipes. Like what, what, what inspires you about that? Well, I, I've had a cafe. I've, I've done a lot of, uh, had, I started out my business with a, a cracker production business where I was just making flax crackers for days on end with all my dehydrators in my backyard. And so I knew what it was like to produce food and it's great. And I love feeding people. But what I found is in the end, you really got to teach people from the core how to make a difference and how to make a change in their life. And the best way in my mind is to teach them how to feed themselves and feed their family because I really want to grow this, whatever you'd want to call it, movement. And it's not really just about the raw food movement, but it's about eating better, like feeding yourself nourishing food so that the end result is that you can have joy, that you can have pure joy, which is my company name, because I know for a fact that when you alkalize your body and you start to feel better, that joy comes in. So if I were to feed someone at a restaurant one day, it's not going to have a huge impact on them. Maybe they're going to enjoy themselves in that meal. Maybe they're going to come a couple times a week. But when I teach people and they can take it on and they can, and I know you know this because you do a lot of teaching, um, you know, when they can take it on and get the information and go, oh, my body needs to be alkaline because that's going to help heal my cells. That's going to get rid of the cravings and on and on and on then, oh, of course I want to learn how to make this soup, but I don't know how to do it. So as I'm showing them how to make like just a green juice, I talk about all the benefits and why it's so important in their daily life. And so they get to take home not just a green juice that they bought at a store, but the whole idea behind it and mm. how to do it. So I feel like I'm, it's so much more empowering and enabling to get people to learn how to do it for themselves and give them the education with it. Mm, absolutely. I'm, I'm <clears throat> one of the things I'm also curious about, I, I just had Dr. Gabriel Cousins on a few episodes ago, and we had this really incredible conversation, kind of a, a different conversation that he usually has, which I think was really nice for both of us. But one of the main things I was wanting to continually get clarity on was when you're in this kind of field for so long, 
you have basic assumptions and, um, I guess, beliefs or even things that worked for you at one point. But then, as you said before we got on the call, things change. Things change. Your diet changes. Your life changes. And the ways you go about your next step um, start to change, too. So I'm curious for you, like, as long as you've been in this industry, what are some of the important distinctions you've learned about a raw living foods lifestyle in terms of the things that you that worked for you early on or that you believed in early on and now may feel otherwise? Yeah, I, I see this a lot with a lot of people who are long time, whether it's vegetarians, vegans, raw foodists. What works for you in the beginning doesn't always work for you long term. For me, it was the case of, uh, you know, when I got into this, I was doing all the replacement for things like, you know, I was coming off of, I was already vegetarian when I started into raw, but then I started switching out like breads for almond bread and, you know, nut pâtés and nut milks for, you know, soy milk and, you know, on and on. So I was suddenly noticing that the bulk of my diet was nuts and heavy foods and it worked. It worked totally well at first. I felt amazing. I just kept getting better and better and better. But then after I would say about a year, I started to notice, oh, when I eat too many almonds, my nose starts to run Mm. and, you know, my stomach kind of distends. I call it nut gut, uh, you know, and I'm, you know, if I eat too much, I even get sleepy. So it started to reverse itself. And what I think that has to do with is our alkaline scale. So, you know, just, and I know you know this, but just for the listeners, um, we have this alkalinity scale and, you know, our blood is 7.4 pH, which is what we really, our body, you know, when you test it on your tongue or your urine, it's probably going to show up around the 7.0 pH as far as like, that's a good range to be in. Most sick people are in the five range. So as you start to just switch over to raw foods. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that people can even survive at that range? (laughs) Meanwhile, their bones are getting depleted of all the uh, alkaline minerals because the body's, the blood still needs to stay at 7.4 pH. So it's grabbing whatever it can from the bones. And so uh, an example is Americans eat so much dairy, which is supposed to be full of calcium, (laughs) but we have the highest rate of osteoporosis, which is hollow bones, you know, bones that are brittle because guess what? That, uh, cooked dairy is acid forming and it robs all the minerals from the bones to keep the blood alkaline. So once you start to learn this stuff, you're like, whoa. So that's basically what was happening to me on a different scale as my body started to get more and more alkaline because I was drinking green juice every day and, you know, all these salads and amazing foods that were really alkaline. So suddenly the things like nuts, which would normally be like in a mid range of alkalinity started to become more acidic to my body because I basically passed up that food's alkalinity. When I was at five, that was a really alkaline food for me. When I was at seven, not so alkaline anymore. So it actually had the opposite effect of making me feel worse instead of better. So I've found over the years that I still enjoy nuts. I still enjoy seeds, but on a much lighter scale. When I'm teaching people, I teach them how to make the breads and the cinnamon rolls and the pizzas and the lasagnas and all those things because they need something to replace what they're already eating that's not healthy and so it's a great way to start. It's a transition food, and I'll still eat that food from time to time. But now I find that my diet is really simple, and I'm sure you can say this for yourself too. Mm-hmm. Green juice in the morning, a blended smoothie maybe after a workout, which is like with low glycemic fruits like just berries. Um, sometimes I'll throw even a zucchini and some hemp seeds in there and just a real basic smoothie that makes me feel energized. And then I've been lately just doing blended foods all day. Like I like to have... Uh, a green soup around in the afternoon around two o'clock and then for dinner something more solid but but less on the nuts and seeds and more on the veggies and even getting more cooked food in my diet now with like steamed vegetables and sauteed onions is way healthier for me than a nut pate so that's just been my transition of just going lighter but also adding cooked foods back in which actually seems to be more beneficial now to my body than ever yeah, it, that seems to be a common trend is that you go through that, that like um, the rungs on the ladder and we often start with the most bulky foods, the most dense foods, which are nuts and seeds. I remember times when I would eat like half a pound of cashews <laughs> in one sitting and then and then like it was it was nice for my taste buds. I got a little little, I don't know, stimulation out of it. But then I would be walking home and I'd feel like bulked up. I remember spring water hunting one time in in my early days and I'm going up this this hill like half a half a mile and it's like midnight after after a lecture or something something ridiculous and 
I'm eating an uh, almond butter on my way up because it's the only thing I had and I thought I needed to eat or I had a craving. So I'm eating almond butter and I remember getting to the spring and just being like, oh, God, that was a bad idea. (laughs) Um, And I think for me, that's when I realized like, okay, there's a better way to do this. Yeah, nut butters are a big one I find with a lot of people that are new. They just go crazy on the almond butter and the dates and, oh, I stuffed almond butter in my date. Which there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you're coming off candy bars, that's the best thing ever. But then when I see people that are five years into raw food and they're still chowing on dates and, and nut butters, I'm like, mm, you know, that's probably not ideal anymore. Your body, your maybe, like I said, maybe your tongue wants it, but your body's probably like it's got to think of this ball of goo in your stomach. Just like mm-hmm. it needs some fiber, some vegetables, something in there to help it process. That's in, you know, you brought up an interesting point because I do tend to see that. The transition trend for people in raw foods tends to be fat and sugar. So there's this like, you know, with like the coconut bliss, even though it's not a raw product per se, but like that's a big one for a lot of us transitioning. We get like really into the coconut bliss ice cream yep. and and it's all good for the purpose it serves. But then you do hit that point where you're like, oh, like this doesn't feel like the right combination. And I know for me. I've really migrated to a place of simplicity, even though my lifestyle for a lot of people doesn't seem simplistic. It's only become simplistic for me because I've practiced, um, I've practiced, or I should say the better way of saying it is that the things that used to be complicated to me have become simple over time because I've, mm-hmm. I've engaged with it long enough and I've listened to the signals in my body. I could have listened to them much earlier for sure. Um, but it does seem to me that 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 fat and sugar combination tends to be like the big the big anchor for a lot of people. And um, I'm curious what your your perspective is on the diversity of perspectives or approaches when it comes to the raw food um, lifestyle, because we have so much uh, conflict. There's so much like different perspectives and oftentimes they're proposed very um you know aggressively um Mm. and so i'm curious you know you've been in this for a long time what are what are some of the perspectives that you have in terms of like the extremes of like high fruit low fat high fat low fruit you know all the different variations well that's interesting because i've definitely been on one end of the spectrum for most of the time which is the low fruit low carb low glycemic um and it for me, it tends to work. However, I have I did get to a point where it's like when I was completely deprived of anything sweet, you end up binging. You know, you end up going for that coconut bliss mm. in the wee hours of the night or whatever. You know, because you get to a point where like I just need something sweet. Like, so I really believe in balance, and I know there are extremes, and I'm not really going to say a whole lot about like what how people act with that except to say that I think that anything can work for someone for a period of time. Right. So I always tell people that come to me and go, Hey, I want to try the fruitarian diet. I'm like, great, give it a try, give it a month, give it two months, see how it does for you. And then, you know, if they want to try kind of my more philosophy of of I'm not saying I'm a high fat person. It's just more like we tend to use more fats and less you know, we don't use dates, we don't use a lot of dried fruit or coconut sugar, things like that. We use those in very slight moderation and we're more happy to use things like stevia and things like that. So that tends to work for another school of people. If you're an athlete though, and you're eating bananas, I think that that's going to work for a lot of people. So I don't think there's a black and white with this. And I really had to learn that the hard way because uh, when I first got into this, I was kind of hardcore and I kind of scared a lot of not really people in my life, but my, my family. I mean, not my students, but my family like, Oh, you know, you've got to do it this way. And um, I think I've just relaxed a lot because I realized that we're, we're ever-changing. Each season, we're different. In the summertime, we're going to eat more fruits. In the wintertime, we're going to eat more heavy fats. So like you said, like if you would have eaten that almond butter after running five miles and you were in a different situation, maybe it would have worked better for you. So um, I'm kind of just more open-minded. I'm getting more and more every day of just really analyzing, like, why do you, why do you care what other people are eating unless they're asking you it doesn't really matter (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny um yeah you brought up another really great point about the seasonal changes and we obviously have um seasonal changes outside of us being nature but then we also have inner seasonal changes like your your biochemistry and your um your uh 
you know, you as a person are changing season to season. And though, so from that perspective, I, I like to use because um, it's not always something outside of us. Like, we, again, we're connected to the seasons and the inner seasons. So, you know, with that, I'm curious, like, on the emotional level, um, you know, from what you've seen with other people and maybe even in your own experience, as we go like into summer and winter and spring and fall, like, do you see different, um, or I guess like patterns that fluctuate for people that are, you know, I guess common patterns? Yeah. I, well, I have a client, uh, I went to her and taught her one time and she's like, I got my summer body and my winter body. I got my summer body and my winter body. She kept saying that because she gained five to 10 pounds every winter. But then when the hot weather would come around, she would drop it all and feel great and be out. She was like a, um, what do you call that? A when they run a hundred miles, there's a name for it, like a, lo- a long, long, long distance, distance runner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well anyway, so she was a hundred miler. And so, you know, she had her different ways of patterns of eating. But what I find is people of course eat way less in the summer. They eat lighter, like, like me, like now it's 90 degrees here in Tucson. I'm wanting things like blended soups and smoothies and juices. And in the winter, I'm going to want to eat more steamed pumpkin. And, and I mean, people do tend to put on a little weight in the, in the winter, but I think it's natural because uh, the way that we're set up as humans is to go through that feast and famine. Then the winter times was when there was less food available to us. So, of course, the fall, the harvest time is when we usually bulk up on the, the fruits that are all coming ripe and, and all the, the great food coming in because you, know, you need that little bit of bulk to get you through the lean times. The only problem is now there's never lean times. So, you know, we just keep eating. But if you did really follow your intuition, you would notice that you're not really that hungry in hot weather and that it's a lot easier to be active and be outdoors and, and do things so you're not like sitting around looking for food to eat. And, and I had a friend that says, I'm eating like a bear all winter. And I'm like, it's interesting that you say you're eating like a bear because that's what bears do. They bulk up for the winter. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think the patterns are. Uh, just, you know, that ebb and flow with how much we're eating. And a lot of people do, this is a good thing to talk about. A lot of people ask me about, um, nutrition, like, you know, that whole protein myth that people say, well, how do you get your protein and how do I know how, how to do the combinations? And I talk to them about eating, um, we don't even eat, eat by the meal. Like we don't nourish our bodies by the meal. We don't even nourish our bodies by the, the week. We nourish by the season. And what I mean by that is like when strawberries come into season, there's a lot of vitamin C, there's a lot of nutrients in the strawberries, even the phytonutrients in the color red that happens to all come into, into bloom in the summer. Um, there's something that we're getting from that. And then in, in the fall, when the, when the, you know, the hardier vegetables start to grow, we're getting different nutrition from that. Does that mean, I mean, I'm not going to, if I lived in the natural environment where there was no flying blueberries in from New Zealand, it would mean I had to eat what was in season. So it makes sense that that seasonal food is going to nourish us for the year. You know, so I think like what I've found with a lot of vegans is it takes about five years to deplete their B12 levels. Mm. So if you use that as an example, you can say that we're not eating by the meal. Like I don't need to get a perfectly combined protein meal in a meal uh, even though I know that's a myth anyway, but you know, just using that as an example, or like I don't need to get every single nutrition need met in this meal. I can just look at what's in season now, what's healthy, what does my body want out of these foods, uh, what's going to be easiest for me to digest, depending on my activity level, and and I just think it's better to get intuitive and seasonal about it. Absolutely agree. There's so many directions to go with that, but. Um... I just think that's a really great punctuation point right there is to, to get into more of a natural cycle with, with uh, the seasons and also to identify what season are you at in your life because that is going to influence your, your lifestyle and your diet and the level of energy that you have. And that's actually an interesting thing that I'll touch on real quick and I'll hand it to you is that we live in such an overstimulated uh, atmosphere in our world, um, people often make the assumption that if one day they don't have a lot of energy, something is inherently wrong, right? Mm. When in reality, there's an ebb and a flow, especially if you're cleansing and you're detoxing, or if you're just living your, your healthy diet, you may be in a form of cleanse that you didn't um you didn't um initiate mentally it's just your body goes through these cycles right 
I um, agree. Well, yeah, I'm curious what, what you well, have to say about that. Well, what comes up for me is just looking at a woman's body. She has a time, and I know men have cycles too, but it's just not as obvious. She has a time when her body is obviously detoxing and cleansing itself and getting rid of something that could have created a baby, but it's flowing out. So that's a form of detox. So, you know, women are a perfect example of going through these ups and downs of moods, depending on the time in their cycle, which I believe originally was tied to the moon. If we were sleeping outside and the, the, the pineal could connect with the moon cycles, we would be perfectly in sync with the cycles of the moon. And this goes for men and women. So of course, everything has to do with the tides, with the moon, with the, you know, the seasons, our body, if we let it be, if we'd spend more time earthing and putting our feet on the ground and being outside under the moon and connecting and sleeping on the earth if you can, you know, maybe not every night, but just getting a chance to get outside and be under that moonlight or even in the sunlight, like the body will adjust and balance and find its own rhythms. So, and then another thought that came to me is the whole biorhythms thing. And there's something where you can test your own biorhythms. I'm not sure how the test works, but you know, and when I found out what my biorhythms are, I'm like, oh, there's a certain time of the day where I'm energized mm-hmm. and a certain time where my energy is lower. And guess what? It's probably the same for most of us, which is around two to four. We go through that low and that's guess what that time is. That's coffee time. You know, <laughs> most people jack up on some kind of stimulant because we just want to get through our day. Coffee time. Just want to get to the next thing. Um, so, you know, in my case, when my energy drops, I usually either I always tell people when they're detoxing or any of my students, when they if they have the kind of schedule that can allow for this. Instead of trying to find something to stimulate yourself when your energy goes low, what about laying down and taking a five or ten minute nap or putting your feet up against the wall like above your head and just letting the blood flow circulate through your body? And guess what? After five to ten minutes, you're rejuvenated, but you didn't have to put anything in your body. So we're always like thinking, what can I eat? What can I do? How can I fix this? (laughs) So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I find it fascinating. We're always going to be up, right? Yeah, no, that's so beautiful. I, I was thinking about, um, I created a little bit of a flow chart for me in my day. So from beginning of the day, I have a chart, an organized structure, but it's based on flow. So I broke it up into segments in my day to identify um, the moments of activity and the moments of integration. Because I, I have so much information processing through me every single day, um, and I'm just like, you know, from any given day, I'm really, I'm like in the trenches, so to speak. And so, um, I can't just go through my day full force all the time. Like there's like a small window, maybe even one to two hours in any given day that I can be actually productive through activity. And then I need to back off and I, like, I feel it come on. And once it comes on, I've exhausted that window. Then I need to do something else. I need to do some kind of integration activity, like, go for a walk or go to the beach or lay down, like go take a, you know, just lay down, put some, some, uh, meditation music on or something, just something that puts my body in a, um, it, it down regulates my nervous system. And I found interestingly enough by doing that even 15 to 30 minutes a day in the, whatever the midpoint of my day, it actually rejuvenates me. Like my neurotransmitter um, supply gets replenished. Um, when I don't actually put some kind of stimulant inside of me, I just, I just go down and I, you know, lay down, I mean, and just chill out. And then in 30 minutes I come up and I'm like, Whoa, okay. I'm, I'm ready to get back in the game. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's what I'm talking about. Like allowing yourself to be in that, whatever it is that you need to be in. And I always try and just take it back to being in nature and being natural, like being a natural human, you know, we wouldn't be sitting at a desk all day and we wouldn't be, you know, under these lights all day and we wouldn't be on these phones and all these things we're doing. So yeah, like, like you said, going on a walk and reconnecting with, with the sun and the energy outside. And, um, I love my biomat. Do you have a biomat or do you know about what a biomat is? Absolutely. Yeah. So basically for people that don't know, it's a, um, it's a amethyst crystal bed and it's, and it's inside of this, you know, they sew fabric around it. So basically you plug in this amethyst crystal bed and it sent, you lay on it and it has a timer and you can select the heat setting. So if it's hot out, you can just do the coolest setting and it radiates crystal energy through your body. And if I lay on that for 10 or 15 minutes, if I, especially if I fall asleep, I wake up like I've had a full night's sleep. 
So, you know, if there's nights where I've only gotten five hours, I'm really good but around seven hours. I found that like seven hours to eight hours is my magic number. Mm-hmm. Ten to be eight is maybe even a little bit too much for me sometimes. But if I just got the five hours for whatever reason, lay on the biomat for 20 minutes in the middle of the day, and it's like I, it's like I got that full night's sleep I was wanting. Um, so things like that, like having those little tools that can help us to recharge without having to use stimulation. Because I heard, I heard someone say this, and I loved it. She, she said, if, if you're tired and you go for stimulation, it's mean. Like, would you do that to a child when they're exhausted? Here, drink some coffee. I need you to be up right now. No, you go take a nap, honey. I love you. You know, you're going to be so much more fun to be around if you go take an hour nap. Why don't we let ourselves have that? Why don't we talk to our own inner child that way and say, wow, you're really tired. The, la- the meanest thing I could do right now is to jack you up and make you work harder for mm-hmm. me. You know? and, and also just on that note, it's like we are our own best commodity, right? So like both of us have our own business. We're entrepreneurs. We're running multiple businesses, multiple I've got employees. I've got all kinds of things going on. So you know, why would I want to drain the energy from the only thing that I have to draw on, which is me, um, by, by forcing my body to keep going when it doesn't want to keep going. Um, so I like what you said about just moving things around. Like, so I'll work on my computer for a little bit, then I'll go jump on my rebounder as I walk to the kitchen to get some water or whatever. And then, uh, you know, do different things. Like I'll, like I have things I need to do around the house. Like I'm going to paint a table and I'll probably get to that today. I'm like, Oh, I got to paint my kitchen table. So, you know, having different little crafty activities and I really think it's important to have a hobby and especially this is important for people like you and me that tend to our business becomes our hobby like we're just doing it all the time and so it's like I want to just find like a hobby of like painting or doing things that have nothing to do with making money or nothing to do with a business and um you know something that I can just have this little like I like to color uh, what are those new coloring books out that are like the mandala coloring books uh-huh. I'm like I'm just gonna sit here and color for a while like, cause that, that sets off a different activity. Like, uh, like you were saying, when you meditate, it's like, it d- sets you into a different mindset and it frees up your mind from having to think. Oh, it's, it's so good. I, I remember yesterday in the mid part of my day, three o'clock, I went into this, I just got up and I just went outside to go meditate, which is a practice that I've been wanting to do to do like two or three meditation sequences in my day, I, when I wake up in the morning, that ideally is the first thing I go to. And then, but also in that mid part of the day, I notice this current of energy come through that isn't always available first thing in the morning, but I still do it. I still get myself in the game. But yesterday was like the most powerful, just like meditation experience where everything just became coherent. My mind became aligned with my spirit, if you want to say. And it was just, it was just incredible. And like, I wanted to live in that for that moment. I didn't want to get out of it to go do work or anything. I was like, something about this experience is harmonizing and aligning and bringing everything into fruition. All the work that I've done, um, consciously and through activity, this is really how it weaves together. And I think that's such an incredible perspective, especially for people that are really ambitious is that, um, all these things that we're doing, this the the health practices, the the um, the entrepreneurial or business building or whatever different um, compartmentalized activities, like through meditation, I found is how is like that final step. It's like that final thing that makes manifestation real. Like through the work that you do, that you need to do when you need to do it, you need some kind of energetic. Um, integration. So that's kind of what I've, I've realized that. And I found that that's how I keep my nervous system in harmony. Um, otherwise, if I don't have that, that, um, that practice, I can go into these, these swings of just being like, basically like stressed of just like carrying all this pressure and all this imaginary like responsibility. And like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Like, I'm actually, I'm actually unhealthy right now. This is not a healthy thing. It's it's the classic burnout, like you're saying. Like if you don't have that ebb and flow, an example that I thought of while you were talking is my my citrus juicer. I had um, you know I did a lot of retreats in the day. I've catered huge events for David Wolf and all kinds of people. And I had this little mini citrus juicer, but I knew whoever was doing the juicing. I'm like after 15 minutes or maybe it was only 10, you need to stop because it's going to burn the motor out. But if you let it cool down. It'll get through this whole case of lemons, but you got to take breaks. Uh, so it's the perfect example of that little juicer. It's like 
yeah, it's a great juicer. Don't tell me it's a bad juicer. It's just you can't burn it out. You know, so it's letting things rest, letting ourselves rest. I remember one time I freaked out because my Vitamix shut down and I didn't know that about the overheating thing. It just stopped working. I was like, oh, wait, what's going on? And then I I read the bottom of it and it's like, if it shuts down, it needs to cool down and then take a break and and come back. And it worked. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Um, so we got, we got about five or 10 minutes left here. Um, I'd love to just like ask you what what would you love to share with everyone listening because we have a diversity of people in the audience like this is a very eclectic sophisticated group of of thinkers from all different backgrounds so many so many people listening um I know are into raw foods or superfoods or herbs or detox or some people, you never know who this is reaching, like all out in the world. So I just assume that there's a huge diversity of people listening to this. So with that said, what would you like really love to share with people as like some concluding notes? Well, what I'd love to share is, you know, if, if anything that I've said today or Ronnie said today that we've said has, has sparked anything in you, just to Take the next logical step. I love that wording because, like, if you take, like we were talking about earlier, if you start to try and do too many things at once, it's going to be overwhelmed. But if you're like, you know, I've never tried raw foods before, and I definitely am not ready to go vegan, or I'm definitely not ready to give up A, Y, A, you know, B, C, but I would love to try some raw foods. Just start small. Like, start with just figuring out in your area if there's a place that makes green juices or, you know, go online and research some YouTube videos and just kind of find out a little bit more about it. Um, if it's about meditation, you know, find an app. Like I love the insight timer app and it's a free app on, you know, you can get it on your Android or your iPhone and, uh, it just will guide you through different meditations or brain.fm, which I love, love, love because it kind of resets your whole brain hemisphere. So, you know, just start with little small things, just like try one thing and, or just buy yourself a journal, you know? So anything we said today that, that touched a, touched a chord with you, I would take a moment after this podcast or maybe even pause it. And I have a note. So this is what I do because I love podcasts. I listen to them while I'm walking. I listen to them in the car. I have in my iPhone, I have that note section and it's called podcasts. And whatever I hear a great idea, I write it down in there and then I'll go through and kind of follow up on some of the things that I was interested in. And this has made a huge impact in my life because I've added a lot more things in that I would never probably have done if I hadn't been listening and also following up on what I found was interesting. So I would just say whatever it is, just like commit to yourself that you're going to pick one new thing this week. Mm-hmm. There was something that resonated with you because that's how we change our lives, right? Like you and me were talking about this whole time. Um, you know, making little changes is going to make a huge difference in your long term and keeping at it slowly and steadily instead of thinking, oh, I need to make all these changes. And, right. you know, or if you're someone who's just like, oh, that's not for me. Try it. You know, you never know because all I can say for me is the reason I'm so happy now and I'm so healthy and I have this business and I'm actually living what I consider to be the life of my dreams because I work for myself. I get to live in a beautiful house in Arizona. I get to travel the world. I created it from scratch. I created it from nothing. But it was because I had Candida and I I think that's really funny because sometimes people think, well, why did I get cancer? Why did I get this disease? Why is this happening to me? Why am I 100 pounds overweight? If you were to follow up with them in a couple years, if they did something about it, they would say, that's the best thing that ever happened to me because I'm in this place in my life where I've taken on my life. I've taken charge of my life. And that's the only difference. You can be a victim or you can decide I'm in charge of my life and I'm going to take it on. This is the Mm -hmm. invite to take on your own life in whatever way that means to you. I love that so much. And, um, starting from scratch that's the that's kind of the thing i think i mentioned that in a a recent interview that i was on talking about like fasting and the different challenges people have and one of the points i think i brought up was that look here's the deal sometimes you got to abolish you have to get rid of the old foundation you can't rebuild on faulty foundation so there is that 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 point in your life that you you look at things and you realize like wow okay I want to go here, but I still have these habits that have been reinforced that have created some kind of insulation that I'm trying to build on top of those. And 
it's a faulty foundation. So there is that point in time where you have to allow yourself to start from scratch, start from square one, and then move forward. And so for me as an entrepreneur, especially a young entrepreneur, because there's this explosion of millennial entrepreneurs out there and um, I won't go too much into all that, but one of the things that comes up for me in that reference is that it's really important that we don't compare ourselves to the perceptions we see of other people. You're only getting a snapshot on the internet of anybody. And yes. it's very easy to compare yourself and try to adopt the values or the perceived results that you're seeing from somebody else and then to take that on as your own identity. So, you know, just like dealing with ourselves as a unique human being that has a unique circumstance and and also like a lot of times like you just said your mess becomes your message <laughs> i love that that's great <laughs> i like the way you worded that that's perfect mm. yeah and it's it's kind of like it could become your life purpose whatever it is because right. then you want to help other people discover your truth you know what you discovered right Oh, wow. Wonderful. Um, where can everybody find more about you? PureJoyPlanet.com is the best way to find me. I've got recipes. I've got a blog. I've got uh, courses. I've got online courses, all kinds of great stuff. Mm, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Elena. Thanks, Ronnie. It's been fun. Yeah, my pleasure. And for everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning into another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show with our guest, Elena Love. So many incredible insights, nuggets of wisdom, practical wisdom, things that you can apply right now, whether it's planting that seed in the fertile soil of your mind with some of these ideas, just playing with it, let it absorb as it will. Or some of the really practical things that you can just actually act on one step at a time. Really happy about this conversation and happy that all of you could tune into it. And so with that, we will tune in with you on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and much aloha.